0: Welcome to Bethany Bible Fellowship, where we are all about the glory of God and the good of his people. It is a privilege to be able to share this online resource with you, and we pray that it is a blessing to you, that it builds up your faith and encourages you on in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Um, Have you ever um, met a person with a gift of encouragement? Have you ever met a person with a gift of encouragement? Like you have conversations with them and, and you walk away thinking, that was awesome. I feel, I feel so light and free. I, I feel like I have new confidence that I didn't have um, before. Have you ever met a person with the gift of encouragement? I mean, they can really change things and turn things around for you. Um, I remember back in the day, um, I needed a mentor, and there was this college uh, pastor um, named Tim, and I used to meet at his house with a bunch of other uh, college students. And I just remembered that he um, had a lot of discouraging things happen in his life, but he always took the time to encourage and I remember going up to him, and I'd be like, you, you, you must have all the answers. I mean, you have a house, you have a wife, you have kids. Like, you have all the answers, right? And he said, no, I don't. But we worked through stuff and encouraged one another. And he constantly just pointed me back to 1 Corinthians 15, where, where Paul talks about the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and taking your stand upon, the gospel that you're being saved by, if you hold fast to it. He says, for I deliver to first importance what I also received, that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. And we just encouraged one another, and he encouraged us. And it was, just, it was a season in my life of extreme encouragement. Maybe you can think of a, a time in your life where you have been encouraged. I love encouraging people. And why do we love encouraging people so much? It's simple, because we live in a world that is so discouraging. It's rare to find people who take the time, especially when you don't live by, to seek you out, to be there for you, to build you up in this life. We need encouragement. Have you ever felt like giving up or you don't know where to go? Have you ever felt down and out and then someone comes to strengthen you and encourage you, that listens to you, that speaks into your life, that talks about maybe some past problems and some things, talks about your future, reminds you of God's promises? Our words have power. And even one encouraging word could be a catalyst for life change to pick you back up. Pick a person back up to put them on the right track or to give new energy for a new day. And for a moment, I want you to think of that person in your life that has been a great encouragement to you. And maybe this week, send them a text, give them a call, or encourage them and just let them know how thankful you they have been um, in your life. And I, I truly believe that Christians should be the best encouragers. And I believe we should be the best encouragers because we have the best news. Amen. Amen. The title of this sermon is called Gospel Encouragement, and the one thing that I want us to take away is how can we practice gospel encouragement together in this season? How can we practice gospel encouragement together in this season? How can we build one another, one, one another up in the Christian life and strengthen one another? How can we allow others also to bring encouragement to us as we step out and say, hey, we have a need to encourage appears three times in this verse that we're to study. It means to encourage, to comfort, to, to exhort one another. And it's not always just building someone up. Have you ever heard someone just come up to you and say, hey, I encourage you to, to do this. I encourage you to do the right thing. It is common practice for Paul to support and to reinforce and to strengthen the churches that he had already found, uh, founded. And so Paul simply shows up. That's something that we can just be like, okay, how do I encourage someone? Show up, just like Paul did. He shows up. He talks. He teaches. He reminds the Christians of God's word and their life in Christ. And next week, as Pastor Jared jumps into the the next text, we get to get to see a sample text of how Paul encourages the Ephesian elders. And so we're looking forward to that next week. But for today, we're just going to jump in and see how Paul encouraged the church And how in this uh, text we see a story of him raising a boy from the dead. First, Paul encourages the churches as he both says goodbye and encourages them with the word of God. Verse 1 says this After the uproar has ceased, Paul sent for his disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell, farewell and departed for Macedonia. Paul most likely was keeping a low profile at this time with all the riots going on. And so he sends for his disciples. It's interesting, after a big event, um, something that kind of shook up the town, um, Paul focuses on encouraging those closest to him. It's fascinating as we we jump into this. He encourages those who are closest to him. I believe encouragement first begins, first and foremost, in the home. Encouragement first begins in the home, and then it extends out. It doesn't matter if you're an excellent encourager to your coworker or if you're at school to your classmates. If you fail to encourage and strengthen and comfort the household that God has placed you in, your ministry of encouragement will also be hindered. And for Paul, his, his home is with his disciples, his, his co-laborers in Christ, and so he meets and talks with them first. He meets and he talks with them first. What is Encouragement. What is he saying? It doesn't necessarily give us all the answers here, but has something to do with comforting, supporting, building confidence, giving hope of the truth of the gospel and of God's word. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a more encouraging person. This text, as I've been studying it this week, was just like a mirror. It was like pointing out all the things that I have, I have done wrong in my life of encouragement, especially this past, let's just say, six months. It's like, oh man, and so it's so easy for us to buy into the lie that we have to do better. We have to try harder. It's like, okay, let's just walk away. Like, what what are we supposed to do? Oh, go encourage people more. No, it's gospel encouragement. And part of the gospel is that we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is our comfort. The Holy Spirit is our encourager. And so we don't move on without him. He is with us, allowing us to actually accomplish this, not in our own doing, but because of what Christ has done in our lives. It's a ministry of the Holy Spirit that we have. And so Paul sends for his disciples. He encourages them. He says goodbye, and he departs to Macedonia. Verse 2, when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he continues to Greece. He came to Greece. So he's continuing to encourage. He's continuing to give many words. He's continuing to give many speeches. And then after that, he goes to Greece, where he spends in verse 3. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews... As he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return to Macedonia. One of the big takeaways as we jump into this text so far is this. Encouragement is costly. If you're taking notes, write that down. Encouragement is costly. Caring for others will cost you something. Strengthening and building up people will cost you. I remember when uh, Brandon Hirschfield, he was our youth director for a season here at Bethany, and uh, he did an amazing job, and he ended up going to become an associate pastor at a church um, in Oregon. And after that, um, several of you uh, came out to me, and you go, Joe, like, man, you must have a lot more responsibilities. You're, you're encouraging me. Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How can I pray for you? And one of the main things was just like, Joe, you just must have a lot going on. And to, to an extent, I, I, I do, but actually, I have more free time now. It was actually like Brandon, like, went to a different church, has become associate pastor, and now I have more time to actually do other ministry. And why do I have more time? Because Brandon and I spent hours together encouraging one another. We spent hours together each week talking about life, talking about ministry. It was part of my job to build him up. I didn't always do it well, but we were there for each other, working through um, things in life to get him where he needed to go. Ministry costs you things. It will cost you something. Maybe it's going to cost you your time, or your money, or your comfort. If you ever traveled over, like to camp, i with students for a week or an overseas mission trip, you recognize it's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some money. It's going to cost you some comfort. If you're away from your from your nice uh, your nice bed and your special pillow that you have. We see also in the text that encouragement can be dangerous. There was a plot here that says that was made against. Um, Paul by the Jews. We don't really know what that is, but we recognize as he's going and encouraging people, people are trying to catch him up. And uh, that can be very discouraging. And so Paul is visiting these churches and he's saying goodbye to them and encouraging them, but it's not without a cost. And so today we don't have to travel by foot um, and we have a lot of means of reaching out to people through texts, through phone calls, through FaceTime, through emails, through letters. But the main thing is just show up, just like Paul did. Maybe pray for someone in the moment to say, "How can I encourage you today?" Sometimes encouragement is difficult. Sometimes it is easy. I remember my aunt um, all these years. Every birthday, she just sends me a picture um, of myself with family or friends that she has taken, and just encourages me that, "Hey, Joe, I see you. I see your life. I see you um, growing up." And, and uh, about after about 16, it stopped being cash in the mail with a call, with a, with a picture. Now it's just pictures. I could care less about the cash that I received when I was a little kid. I just every, I mean, I'm 36 now. Now I get to see all these pictures that she sends me. It's because she wants to encourage me. Joe, I love you. I see your life. But that's not my gifting. That's the opposite of my gifting. My, my handwriting didn't excel past third grade. Um, if you helped out with VBS, we had over, I think, uh, over 40 volunteers. You know, I mean, you're receiving a handwritten letter from, from me just thanking you. It hasn't come yet because that's just not my gifting. It takes some time. <laughs> it's going to cost me a lot of time. And I get so nervous, too, because I always, I always fear that if I hand someone a thank you card and a thank you card, that they'll read it together and then they'll line them up and it'll be the exact same thing. <laughs> and so I have to write every single one different. It's going to cost you something. The second thing we, uh, we see in the text is that encouragement... Um, it will not only cost you something, it's costly. Encouragement also involves teamwork. Encouragement involves teamwork. Paul's ministry of encouragement is not alone. It's not a solo activity. If we read here, I think there's there's seven men in the, in, in the text. Um, um, Sopater, uh, Pyrrhus, there's Aristarchus, Secundus, there's um, Gaius, there's... Um, all these other names, they're beautiful names, by the way, but they're right there. Read them at your own, at your own leisure. In the verse, we see um, these, these men, they go on ahead of Paul and of Luke, and, and they're waiting for, for them um, in this area called Troas, and, and um, there's a story that we're going to talk about of how Paul raises this boy from the dead, but they're waiting for them, and they're just some random names. We don't, we don't, they don't mean anything for us, but we get to see in this text, we get some insight into Paul's mission team. We get to see how he developed teams. Paul would constantly try to identify one or two individuals um, at the places that he traveled and the people that he ran into. He tried to, to get them, to recruit them, to plant more churches, to build up um, the church, and to um, continue to spread the gospel. And so we see Paul had support, Maybe you've, maybe you've heard behind every successful person is a team. Paul had a crew, of partners, com, um, companions. Paul partnered with people. He was a team player. He would constantly put together teams. He didn't work alone. Whenever possible, he would have teams with him because he knew it was vital for the effectiveness of ministry. And so Paul continues to have a ministry of encouragement but he does it with others as well. And even in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, we, we, we read of Paul talking about this. Just as one body through one may, may have many parts, but all have many parts um, from one body, so it is with Christ. In verse 4 it talks about there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. In verse 5, these men went ahead and were waiting for, for Luke at Troas, but we, Paul and Luke, sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas where we stayed for seven days. Let's skip to verse 13 through 16. Verse 13, But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went to Medellin. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios, and the next day touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that He might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. It's an exhausting text to read. There are so many people, there are so many places, and uh, you might be falling asleep as we read it. Again, this is a confusing schedule, and I don't know about you guys, but I am not a maps guy. Um, You can study this uh, this travel itinerary at at your own time, but what is Paul doing? The simplest way to put it is Paul is simply traveling around. He's simply going around in step with the Holy Spirit to some of his earlier evangelistic and church planning grounds. He's just going out. He's meeting with people. Paul is a busy guy. He could be known as a traveling evangelist, a traveling church planner, but he's also a traveling encourager. And there's a lot that goes into his travel, safety, physical demands, different seasons. And we can get so caught up in trying to figure out where Paul is, where he's going, who who who, who is he with that we, that we forget what is Paul doing Paul is visiting family Paul is visiting family he's visiting the church he's visiting his brothers and sisters in Christ later in uh, Acts 20 we see that there's there's tears in his eyes as he writes he's visiting the bride of Christ the people of God that Jesus purchased with his own blood and so for us today As we journey through our lives, are we encouraging everybody with the word of God and the hope of the gospel? And second, as we're doing that, are we doing that alone? Or are we connecting with others? After all, you're going to need encouragement too. We need to encourage others to be gospel encouragers. And I praise God for all the the ministry that happens on this campus through our our various ministries that we have. Um, But I recognize that some of your ministries away from this campus whether that's at work or whether that's at home, might never be seen firsthand by this local body of believers. And so I want to encourage you to share your stories. Share your stories of what God is doing in your life, in your everyday rhythm of life. Invite others into your day-to-day life so that they can be encouraged by how the gospel is getting out. God is at work in your ordinary life. I want you to be on the lookout for that. So the first thing we see in verse 1 through 6, and then later at the end of this uh, um, 13 through 16, is that Paul visits churches to say goodbye and to encourage them. And while he's doing this in his travel, the second thing we're going to take a look at is he raises a young boy named Eutychus from the dead. He raises this guy from the dead. And I was going to title this next part, um, Paul's Endless Talking. On verse seven it says this, "On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, um, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. Man. We see that this group of uh, Christians, they met together on the first day of the week on Sunday because the resurrection of Jesus happened on Sunday in the early morning, and they want to celebrate the finished work of Christ. And we see in this text some of the things we see earlier in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We see in this text that they, they meet together in a home. There's community. They consume food together. They have, they have a meal and remember communion as they remember Jesus' body that was, that was broken, his blood that was, that was shed. They had a conversation, they they talked with one another, and then there was there's teaching that Paul had. He had a lot of things, a lot of things to say. So the Christians in Terez gather together to break bread with Paul and his team. And as they're eating together, Paul extend eating and Paul is teaching that he extends his speech and his teaching until midnight. Again, Paul is a talker. Paul was not hurried to stop. He was not. He was not in a hurry to stop talking, which is interesting because it gives us a, a picture into the early church. And it's this, the early church was not a hurried church. The early church was not a hurried church. Paul begins to teach and doesn't stop until midnight because he has many words of encouragement. Have you ever had a family friend or a family member stop by that you haven't seen in a long time? You, you put aside your schedules and you, and you, and you hang out doesn't matter what time you go to sleep. If you are, are with them, you want to hang out maybe until late, late hours of the night. remember my mom came to visit. My dad was just like in bed by like 8.30. And then my wife Amanda, she was in bed by 9. And my mom and I, we hung out until like 1 in the morning. Why? Because we're family. Because we want to be together. Because we want to, we want to talk. We want to be encouraged by one another. Likewise, Paul doesn't let this precious time slip away. And the church doesn't let the precious time slip away either. They soak up every opportunity, every moment to be with and to be taught by Paul. And not only to be taught by Paul, but just to be together. In verse 8, we read this. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, and a young man named Utica, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul still talked longer. So apparently the room is probably uh, with several oil lamps. I haven't been in front of an oil lamp, but it might produce a lot of heat, and there might be low ceilings, it might be crowded. And so there's this teenage boy named Eutychus, and he gets the best seat in the house right next to the window. Ever gone into a room and it's really hot and someone's right next to the fan? You're just like, scoot over a little bit. (laughs) Eutychus got the best spot. And it says this in verse uh, verse 8, and being overtaken by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead so Paul keeps talking and talking and talking, many words, many speeches. The boy gets so tired, he falls asleep, passes out and out of the window, and he might have, fall, uh, have fallen head first, but he, he dies. How do we know he dies? It says in the text, also the author um, of this book, Luke, he's, he's a doctor. The boy is dead. He's not just injured, he's dead. But in verse 10, it says this, but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms, he says, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, a young boy dies and the prophet Elijah stretches over the boy and prays to God to raise him from the dead and he does. A similar story happens here. And I don't know what is more encouraging than being brought back from the dead. (laughs) Experiencing a resurrection while someone doesn't um, come back from the dead often, it does happen. We have three times um, in the Old Testament when we take a look at the book of uh, Kings, 1 Kings and 2 Kings. In 1 Kings chapter 17, 2 Kings 4, and 2 Kings 13, we see um, a resurrection happen. In, in the New Testament, we have Jesus um, in Luke chapter 7 and 8. Jesus um, raises someone from the dead, and most notably, we know of, uh, of Lazarus, his, uh, his good buddy, So Jesus does it. Also, Peter in Acts chapter 9 raises someone from the dead. Now we have the story of Paul raising this young boy, this teenager, um, from the dead. And so Paul, like Peter and Jesus before him, raises this young man. He's alive. And you might be thinking, okay, what was the secret? The secret was that Jesus raised him up. The power of the Holy Spirit healed this young man and he was raised back to life. You might be thinking, man, lucky for him, It's lucky for all of us. In Christ, we all have resurrection life. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. What happens after this, after this this resurrection? Paul keeps talking. (laughs) What does he say? Well, it's not recorded, but Paul clearly had a lot of things to say. Maybe it's a mixture of teaching and sharing and talking about God's word and the gospel and the mission of God. I mean, I would have loved to be a part of of this, uh, this small gathering and see what happened that night. But Paul was probably just encouraging the people for the glory of God and the good of his people and probably reminding them of some of the things he has previously taught. And when Paul had gone up, he had broken bread, verse 11, and eaten. He conversed with them a while longer until daybreak and so departed. And the youth took and, the, and they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted, meaning they brought the boy home and they were greatly comforted, encouraged. Man, what an amazing story. Whenever I hear this story, I, I always think, man, Paul must have just been a, a boring preacher. He must have been a boring man. Or maybe you're thinking, man, you know, uh, students, they really, can't, they really can't pay attention. Or maybe they should learn how to pay attention. Maybe Paul was so boring that he felt bad and he had to bring him back to life. (laughs) But in the text, we clearly see it went late. The boy simply fell asleep because he was tired. Maybe he was working earlier that day. And guess what? The family gathering went long. I was uh, chatting with my wife, Amanda, and we were really talking through this text and trying to wrestle with it. And, um, and she goes, Joe, I really think that Paul raising this boy from the dead reiterates and proves what Paul was saying was actually real, and it had power. I mean, think about it. People there, they probably didn't experience the resurrection of Jesus. They probably heard of it and was just like, I, I, I believe, but maybe there's some bits of doubt that they were struggling with. But they got to see a resurrection happen there. And as they saw that, they thought, oh man, this is true, that Jesus really did come back from the dead. We get to see clearly God show up and prove his power on this day. And what's more encouraging than seeing the power of the Holy Spirit before you? Big idea here is encouraging others in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. The best encouragement is gospel encouragement and the power of God on display. I love this story because the church is eager to meet together. They're excited. They're loving one another. They're being encouraged. As we meet here today, and as we meet as the local church, are we excited to be a part of God's family? After all, we're here. Lots of things going on, but we're here. And when we meet, I know I have a a lot of uh, different responsibilities, but us showing up and, and serving and being served and and caring for one another, it's a a huge responsibility. You matter. I remember um, just thinking through kids' church, like when a certain friend doesn't show up, it it affects the group. You showing up and even sitting in a chair during a 45-minute service, it matters because there's someone that you are able to connect with, someone that you're able to share with, that maybe someone else wouldn't be able to. The more we are together, the more um, we can encourage one another. So as we gather, whether it's on Sunday morning or in Bible studies, PTF meetings, community group, whether we're serving or being served, are we encouraging one another as we live the Christian life? Do we look forward to gathering and singing God's praises and hearing the word being preached in a few moments, taking communion? Because it seems like in the text, as much as I've been studying this, that Paul couldn't get enough of it. Seems like the people that he was ministering to and had a relationship with, they couldn't get enough of talking about Jesus. So sometimes we just need to take a look at the church, take a look at the text, and and just be encouraged and just say, hey, this is is really um, helpful for our spiritual lives. And so the takeaway is how can we practice gospel encouragement together in this season? How are we building each other up, strengthening one another by the power of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done? And how also can we allow others to bring us encouragement as we share our needs and as we also reach reach out for for help? Um, At this time, I'd like just to invite those um, that are helping with uh, communion to come forward as we continue to worship and just to respond to God's, uh, to God's goodness um, in Christ Jesus. This is, a, um, this is a time for us just to continue to reflect and, um, and to focus in on all that Jesus has done for us. And so I'd also like to invite up Corey Will you uh, prepare your hearts and minds? We take a moment just to, uh, just to come before God together. If you've uh, placed your faith and trust in jesus this is for you take this bread and cup and let's be reminded of all that jesus has done is doing and will continue to do thank you father god almighty thank you that we are family those of us that uh, have invited you into our heart That have accepted you as our Savior. Lord, we get to relish in the fact that you did die for us, that you gave your body, you gave yourself for us. Thank you for this bread that we now eat in remembrance of what you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we love you, you, you didn't wait, uh, you didn't wait for us to get better, we couldn't get better, uh, you came, uh, you came, you showed up, <laughs> you came to give us this encouragement, your life for ours, and Father, as we drink this wine, we will remember that this is the blood of your covenant. This is forgiveness, as pure as it comes, as full as it comes, as far-reaching as it comes. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. Thanks for listening to this message from Bethany Bible Fellowship. For more resources, visit our website at bbfoc.org.